Thank you, Pastor. My joy to be with you and uh, see your new pastor. And I uh, know he's been here a while, but my first opportunity to be with you. It's always good to see Brother Crisp and to see old uh, faces and new faces and uh, look forward to the uh, service tonight. But uh, I uh, appreciate Brother uh, Tim reading my text for me. And uh, we'll get right to it. I'm going to ask you to turn back to Jude. We bring you greetings from uh, the Addison Baptist Church. We just marked our 122nd uh, anniversary and um, thankful to have labored there. We're entering our 23rd year there with the church. Appreciate your prayers for the ministry. And we're thankful for First Baptist of Independence. Jude chapter 1, of course, one chapter, and uh, I'll just read verse 3 again. Having the first uh, opportunity, I do not have to have any concern about what the other pastors or speakers are saying. Um, They will, of course, preach whatever they're led to preach, but I I have the first uh, choice of the text and also the topic, and I am titling this Defending the faith, defending the faith. Jude 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The structure here is very simple. It's as though the Holy Spirit leads Jude to say, I had desired to speak to you about our common salvation, that means jointly experienced or enjoyed salvation, but it seems the Holy Spirit wanted him to speak about a broader subject than, you say, what could be bigger or broader than salvation? And really salvation is a big word and covers many doctrines in the New Testament and in in the Bible, but he says, I felt it necessary to actually exhort you to contend to earnestly contend for the faith. And the way he structures the adjectives here sound a little different to our years. Actually, he says, I want you to earnestly contend for the once for all delivered to the saints faith. Faith is the noun, and it's delivered to the saints, and it's once for all delivered to the saints. So once and always once and remaining, and to the saints, that would include first century saints, that would include 21st century saints, that would include you. If you're a believer, you have received the once for all delivered to the saints faith. Here the word faith is not just uh, believing, but it is the system of belief. Now both of those uh, uses of the word faith are very important. Faith and repentance are inseparable graces, the old Baptist said, uh, brought in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, uh, and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, turning from our sins and trusting him, but also the faith, the faith is the system or the uh, systematic arrangements of what the Bible teaches, the doctrine, uh, the um, however you choose to describe the message of the Bible. And I am aware, and I do believe, that the central message of the Bible is Jesus Christ, uh, promised and pictured and prophesied 
presented in the Gospels and then proclaimed in the book of Acts and then explained in the letters that dominate the New Testament. The, the message of the Bible is Christ, but there are many doctrines in the Bible. There's the doctrine of uh, uh, God himself. There are the doctrines of angels, the doctrine of creation. There, uh, the old uh, Baptists used to describe the uh, difference between creation uh, and uh, then providence, Brother Ron. They said providence included everything outside of creation. And that they meant by that the initial creation is God's creative work and then everything else, the arrangement of uh, uh, life, physical life, spiritual life, they, they put it under the category of providence. But this, the faith here is what we're defending. Uh, our conference calls us for uh, defending the faith. Now, that may seem uh, uh, militaristic. That might seem uh, contrary. And perhaps you might be like Jude's first impulse to say, can't we just declare some positive uh, truth? Uh, Christ died for sinners, was buried, rose again. Couldn't we just preach the gospel? And to that, I would say, of course, we can and should. And uh, if you'll stay with me. Uh, through the message, you'll see we do get to the gospel. But uh, you might say, do we really have to uh, contend? Uh, um, well, the bulk of this little book is written to, to, to warn us about false teachers and false prophets. And as much as we might say, I'd rather be positive, I'd rather just get up and say what the gospel is and what the doctrine is, you really haven't defended the faith unless you have warned people about what the false teachers do with the truth. Uh, the devil is a master deceiver and he always uses part of the truth or half-truths or much less than that, I'm sure. But the devil likes to take what people uh, may know or may not know and twist it and pervert it and, uh, and call que into question God's word. So we have this, uh, he describes it as uh, earnestly contending, almost an agonizing experience. And, and controversy should be agonizing to us. It, it should not be our, uh, how do I say, we, we should not be combative by choice or argumentative by, uh, we shouldn't be quarrelsome. We shouldn't be looking for reasons to argue and, and uh, uh, be un, uh, unpleasant with each other. Not, uh, I think, as a normal way of life. I think that's a very unattractive uh, uh, temperament. And some people think they're really good at defending the faith and they're really just grumpy. And uh, that's not really what he's talking about here. And uh, if you think, well, I must be a really good defender because I'm always grumpy. Uh, no, you've lost the joy of your salvation, and really, we should be like Jude. We should say, you know, what I really want to talk about is uh, salvation and the wonderful joy of knowing Christ and uh, telling others about Christ. But we have to do some hand-to-hand um, -hand combat. We have to uh, keep on the firing line, as it were. There are many biblical analogies we could draw. There's the building and battling. Uh, they are usually presented simultaneously. Uh, we don't get to build and then battle. We usually are doing it concurrently. I'll talk about that 
in a little bit as well. But I want to uh, appeal to the First Baptist Church of Independence and exhort you to defend the faith, to defend the once for all delivered to the saints faith. We have objective truth. We know what the Bible says and we can uh, uh, put it into our confession of faith and we can defend it. And then, of course, we want to declare it. And I'll say more about that in, uh, in a moment. Now, he says um, we should earnestly contend. I have four things. They're very simple. And I hope, they will, I hope you will uh, conclude with me and say, well, that's just about the most obvious sermon I've ever heard. Because then I'll know I did my job well. If I say something and you say, well, I've never ever heard that before, uh, probably I'm off track. But uh, maybe you haven't heard it quite this way, but I wouldn't want to say anything new or different tonight and say, well, I've never ever heard the pastor or I didn't know churches are supposed to be doing that. Um, I wouldn't feel clever if I did that. I would feel uh, useless because I'm not telling you the truth if it isn't something you know. I would like to say it in a fresh way. I would like to say it in an encouraging way, but I am going to exhort you to defend the faith. Number one, uh, the First Baptist Church of Independence, Addison Baptist Church, need to defend the faith confessionally. You know what the word confess means uh, uh, in uh, 1 John Confess is a very interesting word. It really means to say the same thing God says, uh, in that case, about our sin. To confess, to say the homologos, the same word that God says. That's what it means to confess, to agree with God. When you get saved, you agree with God that you're a sinner and you agree with God that Jesus is the Savior. You are confessing, you are, you are saying the same thing God says. In the daily Christian life, when you confess your sins, you're simply saying, this is what God says about my sin. God is right. Uh, This is what God says I should do about my sin. Repent, forsake it. Uh, and, And I agree with God. Confession is just agreeing with God. But defending the faith should be done confessionally. What I mean by that is that we should be able to systematically declare what we believe. Now, I believe the Lord's uh, churches have always done this. Now, we may not have all of the written records. Many of our forefathers, um, through the trail of blood, uh, were hunted and hounded. And, and uh, the writings from the, those years may be very scant uh, and very uh, difficult for them to perpetuate. But all of the groups that identified as the Lord's churches had this uh, impulse to put into writing uh, the Waldenses and others, they very much in, insisted that uh, uh, everyone in the pew should be able to uh, uh, read the Bible. They were illiterate people. They, um, you'll be shocked by this. They even taught women how to read. No, we, we wouldn't be shocked by that. But you think, well, what's so strange about that? Well, some cultures, they said, no, just, just the men or maybe just the upper class. Baptists have always believed that everyone should read. And we've always believed that everyone should be able to read the Bible in their language. And that's, uh, that's radical to some people. It doesn't, shouldn't be radical, but we believe that we should be able to systematically confess our faith. Now, your church, I understand, as 
our church does, uh, has the uh, New Hampshire Confession of Faith, which is a, uh, I think, uh, 1830s, something like that, originally uh, uh, adopted from uh, earlier confessions of faith. There's usually some kind of organic connection uh, to churches. It's always interesting to read the history of uh, confessions of faith. I have a little book with me on the uh, 1689, which is really the second London, and uh, I, I thought I would have some preachers here, and I was just bore, bore them with statistics, you know, and tell them big numbers and stuff, but they're not here, so and Brother Ron already knows all this, so uh, and Brother Tim knows all this, so I'm not going to go into the woods, as it were, or the footnotes, but I love the history of the confessions of faith. Um, uh, Walter... Lumpkin, I believe it is, he's got a little book, or actually a hardback book, on the confessions of faith, and, and some of them are very brief, and some of them are a few pages, and some of them are uh, larger. But Baptists have always believed that they should uh, publicly uh, announce what they believe uh, for two basic reasons. One, so their, uh, their, their people can identify what they believe, and so others will know where we stand. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of um, identifying what's uh, in a thing. How many have you ever been in a grocery store? All right, a few of the children have been. Uh, you shop online, is that what you do now? You, uh, they bring it to you? But I don't know if you've ever been to the store. On occasion, my wife takes her life in her hands and she'll give me a list. And she will give me a list. Uh, now, now she gives me pictures. Pictures of the thing, which is, don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's a marvelous improvement over the list. I like to be able to take my phone out and look. And it's the red label. It's this. Because... Fellas, can I get a witness? Sometimes she'd say, go pick up this tomato sauce. And I got there and like there are 47 different kinds of tomato sauce. And you know what the odds were that I would bring the wrong thing back? Pretty good. Because uh, she says, haven't you seen me? That's what I always use. I thought, I try to stay out of that. But uh, I like pictures. I like the, there, there's the label. And um, now with my smartphone, if they don't have it, I text her and say, they don't have the red label picture thing that you have, and uh, here's what they have. And, uh, but here's what I would not like. I would not like to go into a grocery store that was just a bunch of cans and boxes with no labels. And I would just have to guess and say, like, well, just, there is a shelf like that in our store. It's very cheap, the stuff that's on there. It's a... Uh, got some labels missing and half labels missing and it's like uh, what is this well it looked like it might have been beans but who knows the label's gone I'm not a big fan of buying things without the label I like for the labels to be accurate Uh, apparently my wife does too because when she goes to the store she reads the label word for word stuff she knows she still reads the labels to see if they change something to see if they I guess She's just checking. But I like labels. Don't you like labels? Do you like denominations when you go into the store to denominate? I do. You see, I think one thing that helped Christians, even Christians who may disagree, 
I, help, I think it helps to denominate ourselves, to declare who we are, what we believe, so that we might know. Now, you say, well, sometimes Christians disagree, and sometimes Christians even divide. Uh, yes, they do, but I do know this, that it's better for us to declare what we believe and that's why the Baptists have always uh, found it necessary to say, look, we know uh, a lot of uh, confusion out there. Here's where we stand. This is what we believe about God. This is what we believe about the scriptures. This is what we believe about Christ. This is what we believe about salvation. This is what we believe, and on and on down through the paragraphs of the uh, New Hampshire. Uh, I think that's a good thing. And I think we need to defend the faith confessionally. That is, we, we need to put on paper a summary of what we believe. You think, well, just tell people we believe the Bible. Well, that would be true, but that doesn't denominate what we believe the Bible teaches. You say, well, uh, why don't we just hand people the Bible? Well, my answer to that is... Um, we were not called to give people the Bible. We were called to give people the truth. You say, well, are you saying the Bible is not the truth? No, we do not just drop Bibles into uh, countries and say, well, they'll figure it out. No, we send missionaries to preach and teach what the Bible teaches. You think, I think that's part of our commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I do think that includes printing Bibles and distributing Bibles. Don't, don't get off track here and say, well, he doesn't love the Bible. He doesn't give away Bibles. Of course we do, but we believe that we should be able to systematically confess our faith. And the most blessed congregations are those who adopt the confession of faith and they know what it is. Um, I think they need to adopt a confession when they organize. When a church is um, formed, a body of born-again baptized believers covenanted together to carry out the Great Commission, I think they should adopt a confession. Now, we can go off into a lot of details here about, well, uh, how, what, is it the New Hampshire or the, you know, the Philadelphia, or is it uh, Second London? I really don't have a quarrel with any congregation as long as they, as a congregation, adopt a confession that they believe. You say, well, how, how do they know what, what they believe? Well, they should be taught. Um, that doesn't mean every member knows everything about the confession of faith, but when you are organizing a church... You need to have a confession of faith. And I believe that's one good way to defend the faith, to confessionally organize with a systematic declaration. Now, maybe you've been a member of this church for a long time, and you, you, and you, you have a copy of that New Hampshire, and you say, uh, that's what our church's statement of faith is. I think that's very valuable. And I think that's how you... Um, organize a church, and I think also that's how you ordain uh, your ministers. Uh, I think the purpose of an ordination is to see, does your minister, does he believe what your confession of faith says? 
uh, those things need to be in agreement. They, they need to be uh, in unity. So you need it for organization, you need it for ordination, and then you need it for operation. I don't think it's just something you stick on the wall or you stick in the file cabinet. Uh, you think, what's our Sunday school going to teach? Uh, what's our pastor going to preach? I think systematically you should be working through the doctrines declared in your confession of faith. Now, many times it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be burdensome, but if your Sunday school and your pulpit ministry are not systematically working through the confession of faith, uh, what better curriculum could you have? Now, I'm not opposed to curriculum. I'm not opposed to literature as long as it's uh, the handmaid of the church. I'm not opposed to good books. But they should be subservient to the church's confession of faith. Are they in alignment with the the confession of faith? And uh, when you uh, see someone come to Christ, what, what do you teach them? Well, you should be teaching them the confession of faith. Um, when someone wants to join the church, uh, how do you determine if they're of like faith in order if, if you don't have a confession of faith? Now, I, I hope this is not groundbreaking news. I, I'm sure it isn't. You say, well, of course, that's, you know that's what we believe, and here's what we believe. We tell people what we believe, and that's how we ask questions, answer questions. But you need to defend the faith confessionally. Number two, defending the faith, you need to do it congregationally. I think this might be the Achilles heel of many Baptist churches, historically and currently. Many times pastors know what they believe, although I'm not sure about some of them. But many pastors, uh, and they may know what their confession of faith is, but the, the membership no clue. Um, you know, it's, it's a, history's a staggering uh, thing to read sometimes. Uh, Alexander Campbell, who was an evangelist, and his father was a Presbyterian, and he began to preach and teach in the 1830s, I think it was. And you know, predominantly, he disrupted Baptist churches, and he was teaching baptismal regeneration. He went into Baptist churches and eloquently and, I guess, persuasively teach, taught and preached things completely contrary to what the church said it believed. But the people didn't know what they believed. Sometimes there were no pastors. Sometimes they had, uh, there was a scarcity of pastors. But that's a sad thing, that a congregation wouldn't know what it believes. And actually, that's the... One of the bulwarks, that's one of the anchors of defending the faith. The congregation needs to know what it believes. Not just the pastor or uh, the Sunday school teacher or, or, or the leaders. The membership needs to know what it, what it believes. So when a pastor says, you know, we believe that God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you study that, it needs to, it needs to be declared in your confession of faith. And that's a... That's a benchmark for you. That's not a burden. Um, if, if a confession needs to uh, be addressed or uh, sometimes churches add things, they think maybe for the modern time they think we need a statement about this. Uh, churches are certainly able to do that, but it should be done congregationally. should teach the people, here's why we need a paragraph on this. Here's, uh, we need to 
clarify this word in our confession of faith. Unlike the scriptures, confessions of faith are not verbally inspired, but they, um, they're good tools. And, and I think pastors and people need to be very careful about saying, well, uh, you know, churches of like faith and order have always defined uh, the doctrine of God this way, but we're going to define the doctrine of God in a whole new way. Nobody's ever done it before. I think you should pause. I don't care how clever your pastor is or how educated your pastor is or how uh, wonderful your church may be. If you say, you know, we're going to be different from all the Baptist churches, you should at least pause and take a breath and say, well, you know, why did the, the old Baptist and uh, why did the people of God uh, say it this way? We should at least have enough humility to say, you know, we may not be the people uh, better than everybody else. One of the biases of modernity is that we think we're the smartest people who've ever lived. Unfortunately, that's not true. Um, Or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at that. We are not the smartest people who've ever lived. We can learn a great deal from our forefathers, and we need to pause and we say, well, and uh, I say this, about me and maybe about you modern folk we like things short and you can see this you can see this in our confessions of faith our confessions of faith get shorter and shorter and shorter and um, and I know churches want to uh, be brief and be uh, you know uh, succinct you say well people won't read you know 22 paragraphs and so that we're just going to have you know seven sentences and mostly what they say, I should say, those seven sentences are true, but what they leave out is staggering. I mean, they leave out things like the Trinity. <laughs> they leave out things like uh, the new birth. or They leave out some wonderful doctrines that are not just the window dressing, but, uh, you know, you defend the faith congregationally. Uh, churches have to be taught and discipled and disciplined that defending the faith is our responsibility. It's not just your pastor's responsibility. It's not just your leadership's responsibility. It's your responsibility. And I think the Baptists historically got this right, that we adopt it when we are organized. We certainly question the men we ordain. And, but this is what we believe. This is what we hold to be true. Uh, number three, I think we defend the faith continuously. I, I don't think you just say, uh, yep, we got organized 122 years ago. We adopted the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. That's all settled. Don't have to worry about it anymore. You have to be continuously defending the faith. And that's why you have a pastor. One of the reasons you have a pastor is because the attacks, just as in Jude's day, there are attacks today. And they are constantly attacking the doctrines of the Bible. They may not attack every doctrine in your statement of faith, but they are always attacking. The devil is constantly seeking to sow error. And so sometimes you may, maybe you sit in the pew and you think, why is the pastor preaching this doctrine? We know this. Well, not everybody knows that doctrine. You have children coming up. You have visitors. You have 
young Christians, and they may not know the significance of that truth. Here's a good attitude for Christians. We should just say, what a wonderful truth. If it's God's truth, rejoice in it. You say, boy, I'm glad I know that. Uh, Never be bored by repeating the same truth because it is the once for all delivered faith. It doesn't change. It's... There are no new things to say about the the faith. Uh, There might be new methods or new media, but there is no new message. So, of course, the pastor may have to repeat and uh, and defend the faith uh, in his uh, sermons. Now, I think you can do both. I think you can declare and defend. I'll talk about that last. But you have to be continuously defending the faith. Maybe sometimes we think, well, you know, the 1950s, there was a battle for the Bible. And, and, uh, but actually, the battle for the Bible goes on every day. Amen. The battle for God's word. Uh, sometimes different doctrines are different assaults going on. Uh, the inspiration of the Bible or the doctrine of creation or, or whatever the doctrine may be. The doctrine of uh, marriage, the family. Different assaults come in different varieties. Error has no boundary to it, you see. That's why it's constantly changing. Uh, Truth is immutable, but error uh, is always changing. It's usually the same old error, but all dressed up in different words and different ideas. and, And you have to be continuously defending the faith. Um. I think that's what Jude is saying here. He says, I, I was going to talk to you about our common salvation, but the, the need of the hour is for me to warn you about these false prophets. That's going on today. Um, I'm thankful for every media that we have, uh, uh, online or television or radio, or, but you can be assured the devil is also using those media. And people come to your church, even members of the church, uh, they turn on the television or they turn on the cable and they hear some teacher and he's a very slick and he's very uh, entertaining and they like what he says and they don't realize he's a false teacher. And people say, well, you know, do we really have to call people false teachers? Well, I don't think we do it in a mean-spirited, hateful, vindictive way. I think it's a matter of labeling things. If something's poison, we have to tell people that it's poisonous. We have to tell them that it's false. And you have to be doing that continuously. Now, it's not the only thing we do. It, uh, we should not just be Uh, polemical uh, haranguers of error, Uh, some people grow comfortable in that. That's all they do is um, point out error. Well, that's that's not all we do, but it's it's certainly something we should be doing, and we should be doing it continuously. And by the way, I think a good congregation, a a well-fed congregation, would recognize that as part of the diet. You just recognize that as part of a well-balanced meal, Here's what we believe. You need to be aware that some people say this about this doctrine and they misunderstand this. Uh, A lot of our doctrines are misrepresented and misunderstood. Um, And we have to warn people. We have to do it continuously. Um, You're never going to 
finish this. It's not like a building program or, uh, you know, some uh, ministry that you do for a, a week or two, like Bible school or a special meeting. This goes on continuously in a church that's defending the faith. So we defend the faith confessionally. We need to be able to write down what we believe. We need to be able to systematically say what we believe. That's a good way to defend the faith. We need to do it congregationally. We need to get every member uh, into the, uh, the study of what we believe. Uh, young people, uh, middle-aged people, elderly people, we never outgrow the need to be studying what we believe. And we do it congregationally, and we do it continuously. Um, we have special meetings where we emphasize it and remind you about why, but every service has to involve some defense of the faith. Uh, positive declaration, yes, but, but some defense. I, I've come to the conclusion that you, you really haven't declared the faith unless you've defended the faith. Because what people hear... Uh, when you say certain words, the devil delights in using words that, even biblical words, and uh, giving them different meanings or the wrong meanings uh, that uh, we have to be defending. So we do it confessionally, we do it congregationally, we do it continuously, and lastly, we do it concurrently while we're def- declaring the faith. And that's the, most, that's the positive part. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the Positive declaration, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again. We, we declare the faith. Now at the same time, we have to say, now this is what a false teacher may say sin is. This is what the Bible says sin is. We can say Christ died for our sins, but if we don't defend the doctrine of Christ, then who, who, who are we really preaching? Are we preaching uh, some made-up, fictitious, uh, uh, made-in-the-image-of-man God? Uh, or are we preaching the Christ of the Bible? So even when we're declaring the faith, we have to be also defining and defending it. But we do have the great joy of concurrently declaring the faith. Uh, you'll see at the end of this little uh, book, even as Jude spends the bulk of the, uh, the letter uh, describing and in graphic detail these false teachers. But, uh, but verse 20, he, he gives this positive declaration. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That sounds positive. That sounds a, a, a great promise there. Uh, and of some, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference in others. And he talks about ministering to those who may be bound up in error or falsehood and, and loving them and reaching them with the gospel. We do not de- uh, de- defend the faith because uh, we hate people or because we're angry with people or because uh, they're in error. We, we actually defend the faith because they are in error. 
we, we, long, we should long for them to be turned and set free. Uh, beware of yourself if your only, only interest is to say like, well, I told him off. I told him what we believe. I told him he's crazy. Well, um, I don't think that's Christ-like. And, that's, that's an, and pastors have to be aware of this. And, and sometimes Christians who are, who are very knowledgeable, we think, why can't you see how you're, that is so far off from... Well, of course it is. But when you're deceived, you're deceived. When you're duped, you're duped. And uh, if you've ever, you've ever said to someone, can't you see? No, they can't. What, what do you need? To, well, you do not have to academically educate them. You just declare the gospel. Because that's the power of God unto salvation. Here, here's the wonderful encouragement. I have to defend the faith but I don't empower the faith. I don't have to give it its um, uh, ability. It's not my eloquence. It's not my words. I just have to declare what God's word says. Now, I think that's what I mean by concurrently. You have to be declaring the faith and defending it at the same time. Because if, you don't, if they don't know the Christ you're preaching... How could they turn to him in saving faith? I believe the Holy Spirit does use apologetics. I believe the Holy Spirit does use the defense of our faith. I think he, he does use it to awaken people. That's his business. That's his ministry. I can't do that, but I can defend the faith. Uh, I can also uh, declare it. So here, here's the conference. We are defending the faith. We are defending the once for all delivered to the saints. We know when this has effect. It was once and always. It, it wasn't just given once and then forgotten. It's, it's once and it remains. That's the point he's making. That's why I can defend the faith tonight. It's the same faith that Jude was defending in uh, this letter. It's once and always. It never changes. Uh, we're not looking for new truth. We're not looking for new revelation. We're not looking for a new word from God. We're not looking for another voice. Uh, the, the faith has been given. The truth has been once for always given and delivered to the saints. The people of God, it is the church, the local visible assembly, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's not the seminary, it's not the college, it's not uh, the Bible school, and I say this carefully, it's not even any ministry of the church. Now that may be how the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, but it is the local visible assembly that is the pillar and ground of the truth. And he gave the truth. He delivered that faith, that systematic faith, to the church. And I don't believe that was an invisible, universal body. I believe the design of God was to put those 
congregations, um, of local visible assemblies all over the world, all over the ages. Um, How much easier for the devil to capture one universal visible church? Well, he did that. How much easier, uh, how much harder to defend the faith if the church were invisible and you couldn't see the, the saints and you couldn't hear what they believe and you couldn't gather with them. The church is a local visible assembly. Amen. And that's why the First Baptist Church of Independence and Addison Baptist Church and Pleasant View Baptist Church, um, Winton Place Baptist Church, And all the other churches of like faith and order are confessionally, congregationally, continuously, concurrently defending the faith. It is is the task at hand. It is our responsibility. Father, I pray you would encourage our churches. Sometimes we grow weary and well-doing. There are so many false prophets and so many false teachers and people are so duped and deceived. But then, Father, once we were also strangers and aliens to the commonwealth of God's gospel. But we've been born again. We've been saved. We enjoy that common salvation that Jude loved to speak about. That faith which brought us in repentance and trust in Jesus Christ. Father, help this church, help our churches to confessionally and congregationally and continuously and concurrently defend the faith once for all delivered to the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.